We're going to be looking at Mark chapter 3. And it's really great that we've got these printed out because there's, there's a lot of amazing stuff in this passage. And I really don't want you to miss out on what God has to teach uh, us all tonight. So let's have a look at Mark chapter 3. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan, around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him, to keep the people from crowding him. He had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on the mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And then we see the, the 12 that he appointed. I'm just going to skip down to verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons, he is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived. Standing outside, they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him and they told him, Your mother and brothers are, looking, are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. Then he looked at those seated in a circle round him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Quite the passage. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word spoken to us. We thank you that you are here by your spirit. And we ask you right now to open our hearts, to open our minds, to receive what you have for us as an individual, but also as a community. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight, I want to talk to you about how to look up. How to look up. In the age of selfies, we find it very easy to look in, and with rolling news feeds, we can't help but looking out. But what if at the end of this year, you and I could say that primarily, this year, our life was one that looked up to Jesus? Can you imagine how different we'd be? How different this community would be? 
What an impact that we could make on the world around us. In tonight's passage, we see what it means to look up. In fact, Mark's gospel, this book in the Bible, is really all about looking up, being someone who looks up to Jesus. In other words, being a follower of Jesus, of being a a disciple of Jesus. And we see that there are some key ingredients to becoming a disciple of Jesus. And they are all F words. I thought I'd start the year as I mean to go on. (laughs) You might be thinking, well, Jamie, that's lovely alliteration. You and your F words up there on the stage. But my life isn't quite that simple. You don't know what kind of pressures I face. Here we are at the start of a new year, and my starting point is a setback. Well, in this passage tonight, we see that, that life wasn't all that simple for Jesus either. In the verse preceding the, the passage that we've heard tonight, we see that people are out to kill Jesus. We see that crowds are pressing in on him, so he's, he's not even able to eat. We come to our first F. Faith. Faith. We come across uh, two people, two types of people in this passage that have very different attitudes to Jesus. On the one hand, we have the teachers of the law. And we see that their minds are closed to Jesus. And on the other hand, we see his biological family. We see that his biological family, they are concerned for him. Um, But we see that they've, they've seen the claims about who he is, they see the evidence of what he can do, and they know his character. And, and we read in the book of Acts that they go on to becoming disciples of Jesus. And they are such a contrast to the teachers of the law. While uh, Jesus' mother and brothers tried to take home Jesus, the teachers of the law are trying to take out Jesus. The, the Pharisees are planning to do that. While the, while the family of Jesus are concerned, the teachers of the law are threatened. And ultimately, we see that that Jesus' family are open to him, whereas the teachers of the law are closed to Jesus. How do we grow in faith? Well, we see there in verse 34, people sitting around Jesus in a circle. We grow in faith by sitting around Jesus. What does that practically look like? Well, it's, it's reading his word. It's listening to his voice. And doing all of this, listening with an open mind. Faith is being open to Jesus. And we see this on Alpha, don't we? People coming, um, being open to Jesus, and some less open to begin with. But in my book, anyone who's willing to come and hear the claims of Jesus on Alpha is fairly open-minded. And if you're here tonight and you're wondering... I'm not really sure what I think about this Jesus. Can I invite you to come and check out Alpha? Just come along for the first session. See what you think. But we see here that faith is being open to Jesus. That's where faith grows, is is as we grow in our openness to Jesus. I find that for me, being a disciple of Jesus is a continual journey of me opening myself up more and more to him. And we can pray at the beginning of this new year that Jesus would help us to be open to him. See, the people who were in danger 
the people who were in danger in this passage, they were people that were, were closed off to Jesus. They, they were opposed to what God did through Jesus. They had closed minds to God, and, and they were upset because Jesus healed someone on the Sabbath. And in their minds, healing couldn't happen on the Sabbath. And before we're too quick to judge these people, how often do we put God in a box of what we think he does and how he will do it? Let's not limit the one who is limitless this year. There's more that Jesus wants to reveal to you and me, new adventures that he wants us to go on. Faith is about being open to Jesus, working in your life through the Holy Spirit. See, the the teachers of the law missed the point. What we can learn from the teachers of the law tonight is that it's not really about what you know, but it's about who you know. Being a Christian isn't so much about learning stuff. Jesus' first disciples were not well-educated, but being more and more open to a person. Your faith this year is not going to be stretched, it's not going to grow by adhering to rules and regulations. But as you open yourself up more and more to this relationship with Jesus, as you go out into the world with him, step by step. So that's the first F, faith, being open to Jesus. Our next F word is forgiveness. If you want to keep looking up to Jesus this year, leverage your weakness. Leverage your weakness. What do I mean by that? The other day I went off uh, for a short trip and as I was leaving my house I grabbed my phone cable. It's the essential item that we all need. We're going away. And um, when I I got to the place I was staying at I realized that that my phone is quite an old phone but the cable that I brought with me was a new cable. And so the port on my phone and the port and the, the end of the cable were different, and they, they couldn't connect. Without the old cable, I couldn't connect my phone. And we think that we connect with God in our strengths, don't we? But actually, we connect with God in our weaknesses. After all, Jesus said that he came to heal the sick, not the well. Jesus majors in mercy. So appeal to Jesus' mercy as much as you can. Do you have a weakness? Congratulations. You qualify for Jesus drawing near to you in 2018. See, the enemy wants to accuse you of all the stuff that you've done wrong or that you haven't done, and in so doing, uh, make you think that you can't come back to Jesus. But what we see on the cross is that Jesus takes those very things that we think separate us from him, and he's used them to actually be the connection point between us and him. It's a nice try, Satan, but that's not going to work. Go to God with your weakness, and you'll find yourself connecting with him. I was chatting to a friend who uh, is an actress, and she was telling me that... um, it it actually takes a huge amount of effort to create a highlights reel. You've got to go to a huge amount of energy, huge amount of effort, and huge expense to create these things. And that's before you can even circulate them and get them into the eyes of, of casting directors. 
Do not go to God with your highlights reel this year, but go to God with your deleted scenes. Let's not confuse discipleship with independent strength. Discipleship is about dependence on Jesus. This whole area of discipleship and being a Christian isn't primarily about being strengthened, but it's about being softened. Life can be hard. And the danger is is that we can become like a sponge that sort of dries up and, and hardens. And we need from time to time to be submerged in that overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God that we were singing about. I find that I need to do this, to be softened to God's love again. The ever-quotable Mr. Oscar Wilde said that we are all in the gutter, but some of us are looking at the stars. And that's so true, isn't it? Christians are ones that look up to God. What do we look up at if we're wanting to look up at Jesus? We look up at the cross. We look up and see his forgiveness for you and me. That Jesus totally forgives you and me is amazing news. We read in in verse 28, he says, I tell you the truth, all the sins and blasphemies of people will be forgiven them. He talks about the strong man being bound through the cross. He has robbed Satan's house. We've been rescued from darkness. And the very moment when Satan, the strong man, thought that he had won was the, the exact moment of Jesus' victory. It doesn't matter. It does not matter what you have done. Tonight you can know total forgiveness. And as one of your pastors It's my prayer that nobody here would miss out on experiencing the kindness of God in his forgiveness for you and knowing then the transformation that that leads to in your life. We also see, however, that Jesus says something quite tricky there as well. In verse 29, He says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. Now this is a settled state of mind. Let me be very, very clear. Anyone who thinks that they have committed this eternal sin most certainly has not committed this sin. With Jesus' warning to the teachers of the law, we see that some didn't repent, but some did. Take Paul or Saul, as he was known before he encountered Jesus. He was someone who was actively opposed to Jesus. He was not open to Jesus' teaching. In fact, he made it his business to kill Jesus' disciples. But then he encountered Jesus, he repented, and he went on to being an amazing disciple of Jesus, um, sort of being instrumental in growing the early church and writing much of the New Testament. The people who didn't repent are the ones that we see here Jesus saying that they're the ones that that call good evil and evil good. Being open to the Holy Spirit in, in your life, it involves saying sorry and allowing him to help you to change your thinking, to change course, to be open to God, to see the world in a different light. 
So that's faith, forgiveness. Can you guess what the next F is? It's not frugal um, or fruit. It's family. Family. If you want to keep looking up this year to Jesus, don't just think of your faith as an individual thing. I have joined a new family fairly recently here at HTC, and what an amazing family it is. Have a look around you. And um, yeah, it is an amazing family here, and also we can look back and be inspired by what we've, we've seen in the past in this family as well. And there's, there's two ways that we can continue the family line, as it were. It's to come here on a Sunday, but also connect groups. I'm really excited about connect groups. Because in connect groups, we, just like we do on a Sunday, we open the word, we share a meal, and we invite the Spirit to come. And what we find is that in family, as we sort of gather with people that can really be around us, that we can get to know in a better way, we see that we grow in understanding who we are. We grow in our gifts. We grow in our calling. Richard Lovelace, who is the Professor of Applied Engineering and Physics at Cornell University, no less, he says, you cannot be more, more filled with the Holy Spirit than the community of which you are part. Such an interesting thought, isn't it? I want to be open to the Holy Spirit, and, and I want to be open to him working through my life, through people around me. And our family is growing. There's lots of people here tonight that have joined the church fairly recently. I was really struck that when I joined in the summer, normally the summer is, is actually sort of the quietest time in the church calendar, but we had more than one person a day filling out a Get Connected card. And uh, if you're here tonight uh, for the first time or uh, you're fairly new, can I please encourage you to, to grab one of these cards from the pew and do fill it in. It's a, it's a great way to um, really get, get stuck into this church, to get plugged in and to say, yes, in 2018, I'm going to commit to a family. And I'm wanting to see what God wants to do in me, but also wants to do through me for other people as well. Um, so please do fill in one of those cards. Hand it to, to Vicky, to me, or there's also a white box at the back of the church there that you can, you can put it in. Also book in for the Lent Discipleship School. I'm going to be there. And again, it's a great way for us to grow in our understanding of Jesus, grow in our giftings, and to um, experience God's family. But who gets to be part of this family? Who gets to be included? In verse 34, we see that Jesus says, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. He says, whoever. Jesus opens up his family wide. He's not excluding his biological family here. He's including them. But he's also opening up the definition of his family wide so all of us get to be his brothers and sisters. I remember being on a Christian camp in Australia at uh, the age of 11. And one evening we were sat around a campfire as you do in Australia, uh, sort of in the middle of nowhere. And I just remember being totally overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. And I remember saying to the other guys later that night, uh, in a very teary way, um, that Jesus is the king. 
And, and Jesus is inviting all of us to be part of his royal family. I just couldn't get my head around the fact that there are people on this earth that don't know that, that don't know that there's this open invitation. What I found was, is as I encountered Jesus, I learned about his will for my life and for the lives of people around me. He, he could have called us associates. He could have called us acquaintances, acolytes, assistants. Instead, he calls us his brothers and sisters. He was lifted up on a cross so that when we look at him, we can know exactly what lengths he will go to to include you and I in his family. You will look up to Jesus to the extent that you know the way that he looks at you. When you know that he looks at you with love. Jesus is the one who doesn't just stand in our place on the cross, but he also stands by our side. He's not a fair-weather friend, but he stays with us through thick and thin. And in this church community, there are people here tonight who have stood by me through great times and also through some very hard times as well. So I know that this is a family that I want to be more and more a part of. This church family is also a family that is committed to doing Jesus' will. The will that we see him talk about here. This will of extending God's family. Because discipleship is really about relationship. It's about being part of his family. And we discover this the more that we spend time with him. Just as I learned about Jesus' heart, Jesus' will for people by encountering him. We see in in, in verse 7 and 13 that, that Jesus retreats to learn the will of God. And we see that at the end of the passage too, we we see again the will of God. Jesus gets discernment from intimacy with the Father. It's why we come here on a Sunday. It's why we gather in connect groups. But it's also why we need to retreat from the busyness of our lives to hear the still, small voice of God for ourselves on our own. So we know the, the will that he has for us and for those around us. As Jesus advances to the cross, he keeps retreating. We advance in our relationship with God as we retreat to spend time with him. And Jesus also prioritizes time away from the crowds with his Father, also because I think it's the pattern that God intended, a rhythm where we rest, where we know that, yes, our work is with a purpose. What we do during the week is with a purpose. What we do on a Sunday is with a purpose. But also that we don't have to lift a finger to be loved by God. Yes, he's the king of the universe. But he also wants to be your your father. And you will look up more to Jesus if you think of him not as your taskmaster, Not as your headmaster, but as your unconditionally loving, protecting, releasing father. And that brings us 
very appropriately to our final F, Father. Jesus' focus was his Father. He calls us his brothers and sisters, so God is our Father too. And we can have the same intimacy with the Father that Jesus has. Mark's gospel is notorious for being action-packed. It, it works at rapid speed, and there's so much going on in this gospel. Yet Jesus prioritizes time with the Father. I think we forget that Jesus himself is a follower. Jesus has a childlike dependence on the Father. He doesn't do anything without his Father. He lifts his eyes to the mountains, to where he gets his help from, the creator of heaven and earth. Jesus only does what the Father is doing. I arrived here and I thought, wow, you guys all look amazing and and wonderful. And I thought, what can little old me bring to this community? And then I realized, well, well, I have weakness. So I have a need for God. So I can go to Jesus. And then I thought, well, the, the job of a vicar is endless. There's so much to get involved with. There's so much exciting stuff going on. But, but then I realized, well, actually, all I need to do is to listen to the Father. What is the Father doing? Joining in with what the Father's heart is for me and for those around me. And this applies for us wherever we are, through our week, in our workplace, in our family, amongst our friends, amongst our housemates. What is the Father doing? It's a call to to radical simplicity, just joining in with what the Father is doing. When we depend on Jesus, the way that Jesus depends on the Father, we will find ourselves fulfilling the call, the vision of this church, that every life would be bearing fruit for Jesus. We know that in John 15, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Just stay connected to him. Just keep looking up to him. The one who calls you is faithful. And I've been talking tonight about dependence. And I find that when I depend on the Holy Spirit, that's when I see his power in my life. Your willpower in 2018 will only get you so far. Well, in my case, it only gets me so far. But Jesus' love and power will take you much further than you can imagine. My only resolution this new year is to know the one who is resolutely for me. When we stay near to Jesus, when we stay connected to him, we see that he calls us into the family business. In verse 14, we see um, the call of the disciple of Jesus to be with him and to become like him and doing what he does A life looking up to God isn't a life that's called to hermetically seal ourselves off from the world. But it's to go out with Jesus, in step with him, transforming the world. Discipleship is not about just protecting ourselves from the world, but transforming it with Jesus. And that's the call that he's making to you and me 
and to all of us at, at HTC here today. And you might not feel up to the task. But just look at that list of disciples that he ordained. What a motley crew. And I'll let you in on a little secret. When I got ordained at St. Paul's Cathedral a couple of years ago, I looked around at the group of us getting ordained and I thought, we are a pretty motley crew, including me. Jesus doesn't call the equipped, but he equips the called. Just like Jesus himself withdrew to a mountainside to get discernment from the Father, who to call. And just like the disciples gathered around Jesus, became like him and did what he did, we too have the invitation this year to be forgiven, to be part of God's family, and to see our faith grow. And we will see our faith grow, see our faith stretched as we depend on him and as we join in this call to extend God's family. And that's a vision that I get really excited by. That's why I'm doing the job that I'm doing. That's why I'm here tonight. And that's why being more and more a disciple of Jesus is the best thing that we could do in 2018. Amen? Amen.